Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Let's guess what today is. Let's guess what today is. It's hump day. Hump day! Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files, the Wednesday edition. That means it's hump week. Hump week. And uh, uh, Coco is back. She, we're going to talk very briefly about what she's doing. I'm Tom Donaldson. I'm the chairman of America's PAC, Saving America One State at a Time, uh, the project director of America's Majority Foundation, the author of eight great books, none yet bestsellers, but they all should be, including the – Rise of National Populism and Democratic Socialism, what our response should be, as well as Boxing of the Shadows, one of the premier books on the history of black fighters in the United States. So all of them are available through Amazon.com or various other bookstores or online book services. Uh, And if if you want to call in tonight and if you want to just uh, comment on the things we do – Here's your number, 646-929-0130, So, Coco, why don't you kind of remind everybody who you are? All right. Um, what's going on? My name's Coco. Um, you might know me from the Donaldson Files, if you listen. I'm a writer. Um, I work in the entertainment industry, among other things, and I'm currently writing a book right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, tell you, you know, like I said, you know, we, this is one of those. Uh, here's the thing. You want to talk about? You know, I'm, I'm sitting having a conversation with uh, our good friend L.A. Bachelor. I said, L.A., this uh-huh. is professional work because the Celt- I'm going to miss the first part of the Celtics game. The Royals Reds are on another, uh-huh. you know, are on a station. And of course, both you know, both you know, like, you know, like LA does like the seventy six, but I like the Celtics. So here we are working, and but yet we're working, being professionals. We are giving up uh, those middle, little things in life that make us feel so much better. Uh, right. But that's just that's just the kind of people we are. All right. So, kind of, so what's uh, tell everybody about this book project? You are where you're at in the project, and well, I mean, I, I started. I, I suffer from insomnia, and when I do, I tend to stay up 24 hours. And it was one of those nights where I, I was watching something on TV, and I kind of got an idea in my head, and then it just started going from there, and then it kind of developed into like me writing this book. <laughs> and I was I was writing for I think it was like 12 hours. I couldn't sleep, and so for 12 hours, I was just writing. And yeah. I kind of oh, developed this little story. Um yeah. and that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I actually am studying I, I signed up for a writing course 
that I'm taking uh, starting tomorrow um, on, I, I'm taking a class at UCLA actually online and I will be basically uh, learning how to just compose my novel. So I've been doing that. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. It's, it's hard because I work like 11 hours a day um, doing my marketing thing. And so it's like, when do I have time to write a book? Sundays, my uh, boyfriend's daughter comes over. So I, I devote my Sundays to her. So it's, it's kind of like, well, where the heck am I going to have time to write this and go to school? So I'm kind of doing it all. So again, what's the book about that you're writing? It's a mystery book. It's a girl who, um, it's, if you will, it's a homage to Nancy Drew, but I want to go with a supernatural take. That's how I would describe it. It's like a okay. supernatural Nancy Drew book for, you know, young adults. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So, uh, I'm just kind of curious. Do you ever sit down and kind of, you know, take things off your, uh, your, I guess your boyfriend's daughter, so bang, say, hey, I'm writing this book, and you know, you know, what do you think? Because she's that, she's that audience, correct? Right, but um, she's more into anime. I don't know if you even know what that is, Tom. Do you know what anime is? Yeah, it's cartoons, uh, Japanese cartoon, right? Uh, okay, okay, good. Yes, yes, very good. Yeah, she's into that. Actually, when she's over, we'll watch like six hours of anime, and I'm like, I don't understand it, but she's into it, so I'm like, cool. <laughs> well, I know, I, know, I swear kids, to God, but... Tom, I, I, I actually, Leah, last weekend, uh, Sunday when she came over, we were sitting down, uh, we had just ordered sushi, and we were sitting down and opened Netflix and like, she picked this like really crazy anime Japanese cartoon. And I actually got kind of into it. It's called soul eater. And it's actually really funny. It's, it's, it's about basically mm-hmm. the grim reaper son collects souls and his two sidekicks are some big breasted women. I swear to God. I was like, okay, that's cool. Hmm. I imagine it's a little well, awkward, um, though. I feel because like we're watching this with her dad, and it's like it's like, oh, okay, these women have big breasts, and they're just like in your face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so how how's it? So what's dad thinking of all of this while he while the two of you are watching? It's a this? cartoon. I mean, honestly, honestly, it's 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 a cartoon. I've seen worse. This is actually, I this is a good point. I, I was asking somebody about this. Um, I've become let me watch that video before it's okay for you to watch it age. And I've never felt old in my entire life until now. Um, <laughs> mostly because I didn't, I didn't have parental controls really. Like my didn't, my dad, my parents didn't know how to use them. I mean, I was the type of person, like I watched Caligula at age 10. So I'm like the worst person to ask whether it's appropriate or not to let somebody watch this at a certain age. So that's why I asked somebody if, if we could watch Birds of Prey. And people were like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, you know, I'm the last person that should, like, tell somebody what they can't watch because I've watched so much worse at that age than sure. than most normal people, I guess. Okay, like I said, we're going to, you know, like I said, we'll get into the subject after the next 
because like I said, we're going to start with gaming because you've got some very interesting points. Of, in yeah, gaming, I do. Dealing with stress. Uh, we'll talk about yes. the Democratic Convention because you made the statement to me, and I'm going to ask you more about this. You like the virtual versus the actual live event. I do. Uh, I love it. it I love so we're it. Gonna talk, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the impact, you know, you know the, the actual impact of that and, and, and so on mm-hmm. down the line. So we got a lot to talk about. And right, I'm we also going to add, we do. We're also going to add, uh, now, next Tuesday, I've got Ian Murray is scheduled to come on uh, to, to talk about his book, The Socialist Temptation. Wednesday, Coco is going to lead Ladies' Night. I will probably Woo-hoo. be on the road. Uh, business, uh, we're going to have our usual collection of women talking about those things that women love to talk about. <laughs> and as and as we all know. And men love to hear. Dollar, and men love to hear because there is not, cause nothing here is tabooed on the uh, Donaldson Files when no. it comes to Ladies' Night. Now, on September the 1st, Wilf O'Reilly is, is working on a new study. Uh, and I'm very fascinated. I have to be uh, in uh, you know, complete disclosure. Uh, he's, you know, I am basically, you know, I help, I'm helping to fund the project, so I'm fascinated to see what he has uh, going. It's, you know, there may be some groundbreaking aspects that may be included. And then uh, the following day, Justin Hart is a gentleman who put together a new website, Rational Ground. He's a data guy, collects all kinds of data, and he's been basically one of the few people who basically could really give you a a statistical analysis of everything COVID. So we're going to, he's going to come on and talk about that as well. A week from uh, two weeks from now. So that's where we're at. This is Tom Donaldson, Coach Wakonski here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you missed the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Bachelor News Radio Show, one of the great shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And also, um, so we're coming back here. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, if you want to Thank call you. in, uh, it's 646-929-0130. It's Let me repeat that, 646-929-0130. And I'm going to call in. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or if you just simply want to call in and say, Tom and Coco, you're two of the greatest uh, podcasts I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, that, that too sweet. will be acceptable. We, yeah, that that's too will sweet. also be. In fact, you, that may even get you at the top of the list. Uh, or maybe. So, I don't know. It's a hard list. It's a hard list. That's right. So, And also, you can. If you want to tweet us as well as we're watching this uh, at Donaldson Files on Twitter and Co- God, what is you got a new one now? No, What's I have a new, new one? one. What do you mean? I don't have a new it's not one. Coco- is, is it still Coco on the left? Yeah, it's Coco on the oh, left. Oh, okay. Hold on, let me check. All right. Wait, hold on. You actually may be right, but I doubt you are. Um, no, I'm still Coco on the left. You were wrong. Okay, no, it, it, uh, you just simply. I'm Coco on you, the left. 
Okay, you just simply changed her handle of Coco for Biden and Harris. Okay. Uh, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's the name I went with because I wanted to piss as much conservatives as possible. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I did it because, like, I wanted to be sh- clear that I'm not an AOC fan and that I'm not a Bernie fan. So I guess I had to make that clear to some people. So I decided to do it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now let's talk about, okay, you you got in a conversation. You, know, you were telling me about gaming. So why don't you go ahead and give your investigative right. report? My investigative report is that I'm a huge nerd, Tom. I am a, a total nerd. I, I, I apologize for everybody that I used to bully during middle school because they were a tech geek. Uh, I have now turned into one of you people. So, um, yeah, the last couple of weeks, I've really been game, getting my gaming on. I feel like I, I got the PS4 um, and I started playing all these games. But, you know, it's the PS4 is in the living room, so... You know, I want something that's kind of simple that I could basically just take whether, wherever I go. If I go out to walk the dog or whatever, like I always have this device with me. So I decided to get the Switch. Um, yeah, I know it's a little late. You know, it came out a couple of years ago, um, but it's a really cool device. Um, now there's two versions, Switch Lite and the Switch. So I got the Switch Lite. So you, with the Switch, you can actually play from your TV. You can hook it up and you can play games and get controllers. So it's like a huge console system, basically. It's like two consoles in one. Um, the Switch is not that, but like I said, I already have enough gaming consoles in my house where I don't need to have another one for the TV. So... Um, I was going to make the plunge and I was going to grab it and it had been sold out everywhere. And it makes sense if you think about it, you know, with COVID going on, parents are probably losing their minds and, you know, kids are not really getting socialized. So all their friends have these, you know, these devices. So it's, that's one of the main reasons why it's been getting sold out so much I went on bestbuy.com and I clicked find a store, which basically tells you whatever, wherever you live, there's, there's going to be like a bunch of best buys near you. And none of them within a 300 mile span carried the game. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I'm not driving over 500 miles to pick up a Nintendo. Like I'm not, I'm not that crazy. Uh, but mm-hmm. I actually went on Overstock.com, and they actually have bundles, which is really cool. So the one that I got, I got the, I got like the blue Switch with like a Mario Kart bundle. So I paid extra, obviously, for that. I don't know. I paid like three seventy nine for that. Um, and I can totally see why gaming is now taking off. Like, I mean, it already took off. Like, don't get me wrong, but. I feel, especially now with people in quarantine, it's like it's just skyrocketing. Like it basically, this is basically what's happening with the Switch. It's acting like it was when it got first released. When it was when it first got released, like during Christmas, like back I think it was like 2017. uh, You cannot find one anywhere, and that's pretty much what's going on right now because of COVID. You know, there's so there are people who are wanting. I mean, I've looked on I looked on eBay and somebody was selling it for like seven hundred dollars. So I mean, (laughs) there's your answer. 
Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question. I mean, what games are you actually playing? I mean, I mean, uh, okay. I, mean I know there was um, one day so you I, had, I, like, I, Zombie. It was, like, I, virtual. I'm glad you, you asked that. Okay, that's different. That's the Oculus. Now, the Oculus is the virtual reality system. That's completely separate to the Switch. It's completely different. Completely different. This, the Oculus is basically you put over your over your head. It's a virtual reality system. Okay, all right. So you put it over your head. You have a, a, a nice, clean space, and then you do your virtual, whatever virtual reality games you're into. So that's completely different. Um. The games on the Switch, like, I mean, it's Nintendo. So whatever Nintendo makes, like, they sell it for the Switch. Like, I got I got Mario Kart. I got Mario Party. I got some really weird demon game called Hollowville or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a loser. No. I, I love gaming. I think it's, it's really good for, you know, simulation. Like, like your mind and... Like um, a lot, especially those racing car games, because I don't drive. Yeah. So in like real life, like I would probably kill a million people. So it's a good thing I just have that on the games. I don't have to drive in real life. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, actually, you have a job. It's basically uh, you work for you. <laughs> it's Coco yeah. Incorporated. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of which, you know, Uber, Uber is done. Uber yeah. and Lyft. They, they're dead. Well, they're not coming back. Well, well, that's what happens when you decide to uh, interfere with the marketplace with the uh, rule eight COVID. B pot. No, no, but no, but no. Well, also, also with COVID, like no one's gonna, you know. Uh, um, well, no, actually, but the big reason, yeah, yeah, but the real reasons they be five because they they went from being contract workers to they are now going to be employees. Yeah, well, well I, yeah, at least, I mean. I, a lot well, of I mean, people I would want say to no. be indep- well. No, no, hold on. A lot of people yeah. want to be yeah. independent contractors. They want to be independent, yeah. and so they weren't treating them as independent contractors, and that was the problem. And I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, well, I'm gonna put it this way: you take once you take the option out, and because here's the thing: is if you look, I mean, I'm just kind of curious how far, because I know you could almost. I mean, because there's, I know a lot of people in Hollywood would almost, who are contractors out, would almost qualify for this. So it's going to be interesting to see how far they go with this. No, I think quite frankly, right. they. This was enough because at this particular point in time, it's California. It's crazy. It's just crazy to me because yeah. instead of all the things during COVID, um, I was yeah. kind of expecting it. I didn't expect it this fast, but you know, who's who yeah. honestly is going to get in a, in a freaking Uber? When, you know, there's COVID, you don't know the person. First of all, you don't know the person driving. Second of all, you don't know how many people have been in their passenger seat, no matter how many times you clean. And I want to say this, too. I was so freaked out yesterday, Tom. I went to go pick up a package, and the FedEx guy did not have a mask on. And there was an other guy with the FedEx that came, like, literally 20 minutes later, and he didn't have a mask on either. Hmm. That freaked me out. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're delivering, wear a mask. It's not that hard, yeah. especially yeah. if you're delivering well, packages to people. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to put it way, is that, yeah, I, I, I would say in the case of AB5, I mean, I said this will be a mistake because but they answer the question this way. I, I did use Uber when I was in Reno because my daughter said, I'm not getting up at four in the morning to take you to the airport. So, but I'll set you up with an Uber or Lyft. And I tell you, I don't feel any less safe doing that than, let's say, uh, 
if I was walking into a restaurant or let's say anybody would use public transportation in New York on the subway. So, and if you keep yeah, it like, clean, I'm sorry, but, I, I still, I wouldn't even go on the yeah. subway. I'm sorry. Like, I'd rather just stay home. Like, I don't want to, yeah. I mean, I, let me tell you, I was so freaked out by that, that encounter yesterday, Tom. Like I literally gave myself a headache. Like yeah. I started to make myself sick because yeah. I was so freaked yeah. out by that contact that I was like, he's not wearing gloves, he's not wearing a mask. I'm like, literally not, I, I had a mask on, but like, I didn't have gloves. And I'm like, oh my God, I so better not get COVID. Like I will kill somebody if yeah. I do. I will. But um, yeah. we were talking about, you and I were talking about basically kind of stress relief levers um, yeah. to kind of help you get through COVID or whatever. But um, so I'm known to uh, buy stuff that I see on TV. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, I have a lot of crazy, crazy gadgets that I use. And so I thought, like, you know, the ones that I haven't touched and, like, I would kind of test them out, which is what I did. So I yeah. have some really cool gadgets that I tested out, whether it's back pain, kind of just like stress relievers, yeah. like your stress from work um, or COVID. Um, these are pretty cool things. And I also have, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this, Tom, I swear. Okay. There, um, now, this, this is an article from 2010. And, but it, they actually still carry these things. Some of them, it was more of an idea than an actual product. Um, but I still thought it was really interesting. But I'm going to start with um, the, top, the five I actually used for um, just kind of making myself less, less stressed out. So the first thing um, I used, and you literally can get this anywhere, um, it's called the Omron. And what it is, is a 10 unit. And for those who don't know what 10 units are, um, it's like electricity coming to your body. And it, it basically, it heals your body. It's what it does. Um, you never do it more than twice a day for 15 minutes because that actually can yeah. um, really mess up your bone structure and really mess up your back. I didn't know that. I was informed of that. Um, so I hope I don't die. Um, but these are like, this is really cool. It's like they have like comes with these two pads, right? They're really sticky, but um, they kind of fade like after like 80 uses, which may seem a lot to you. But if you're doing this twice a day, every day, it's not a lot. Um but I like about it is like, it has like all these different massage settings, like, you know, um, your need tap rub, and then you choose basically your, um, arm, lower back, leg, foot, joint, or shoulder. So, um, I will say, I love this. The reason I love it is if you are a, if you like you, Tom, you exercise a lot, you swim, you do Pilates, right? I do exactly. So yeah. this is made this is made for people who work out like strength work and basically to like so their their body goes into recovery. It helps them recover faster. Mm-hmm. So if you use this a lot, um basically you can get more workouts in. So your body doesn't fully yeah. collapse. That's what it's it's from. It's not that expensive. Mm. It was like sixty bucks um from Best yeah. Buy and I know it's pretty cool. 
Um, they also have one. I don't have this one yet because I, I actually heard about horrible reviews on it. I haven't tested it out, um, but they have one that has the heat 10 unit. So you'll feel like a heat sensation. I don't know if hmm. that's something you want to feel. <laughs> I suppose it'd be kind of like yeah, if you're sore, I mean, having like something like a heat, you know, something hot on your, let's say, the sore part of your body, you know. Right, you know. And, that, and that's always good. But um, my yeah. chiropr- I have a chiropractor, and he always told me, if you're having back pain, do not use heat. Yeah. Do not use heat hmm. for, like, if you have, like, muscle spasms, the heat is, like, the absolute worst thing you can do to your body. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So well, I was always like, yeah, because I can remember as an athlete, if you had, like, a sprained ankle, they... They would always recommend a meat, you know, ice first, like the first 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, you, do ice, you have not to ice heat. and then you can heat. Yeah. 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 It's good advice. So, Trust me. It, it helped me in the long run, yeah. especially being a runner. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I thought it was a pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. I so, thought yeah, it was a pretty know, cool re- gadget. Let me ask you. I mean, you know what you remind me of? You ever remember – I don't know if you're old enough or if you ever came across the cartoon Bloom Country. No, what is that? Oh, okay. It was it was very similar to Doomsbury. <clears throat> uh, it was like a political, uh, and uh, and basically they had this character, a penguin named Opus. And one of the things Opus, Opus would do. I remind you of a Opus, penguin. No, no, no. What you remind me because you say you you know watch you know you you know you love to when you see something on TV you want to give it a shot. Well, Opus that was yeah. his thing. He would literally watch something on TV and then order about thirty of them. <laughs> he would just go nuts. Oh right, well, it I would, order it would be thirty like, of them because I'm not psychotic. Is that yeah? Well, um, he was somewhat psychotic, but but I tell you what, you ever did? It's a it was one of the great cart- comics out there, uh, Bloom Country. You know, they can never just, you know, just kind of see if they, you know, online and just look at it and see if they, if you can find it online. Uh, it is, like I say, it was, uh, I mean, it was around for a few years. Uh, then eventually the guy got tired of it, uh, uh, then decided to quit. Uh, and I guess, you know, he did what he wanted to do and quit and moved on. But uh, no, it was one of, it, in many ways, I thought it was funnier than Doonesbury. And, you know, he had these characters like Bill the Cat. Uh, I mean, this cat that was just kind of nuts. Uh, and it, in fact, he had the build a cat would end up dating Gene Kirkpatrick. And the guy said this was like the uh-huh. 80s and the 90s. So it was, I mean, so he would have all these satires, things like build a cat. He would have a guy, a character like Steve Dallas, Dallas who was a uh, you know, typical male chauvinist pig. Uh huh. Uh, Op- and then, of course, Opus. And then he had these school kids. And then they would have this uh, teacher of all the school kids. And they actually, the school kids were like the center. It was kind of like a South Park before South Park, where the kids made up, you know, how the what kids were. What year was the this? It was like the 80s. It would be in the 80s. Uh, because, like I say, it was like during, you know, 1980s. Uh-huh. I, I honestly have never um, yeah. Yeah. heard yeah, of it, that. It, it's, yeah, it's one of the great classics. I mean, I mean, if you ever, like I say, go back and, I mean, I always thought the fun, one of the funniest things I ever did is they're, they're getting a band for the uh, school, you know, for the school dance, right? And, uh, and they're sitting there looking at these bands and this, 
And they're looking and they say, hey, look, it's the Rolling Stones. Who are the Rolling Stones? I mean, this is like these kids are like another Rolling Stones. And say, God, they're a bunch oh, of God. old clothes. <laughs> and, and the teacher's Jesus. going nuts. She's like, I mean, she's like, the Rolling Stones, and they're, like, deciding, yeah, we want this group, the Rolling Stones. Who are they? <laughs> it was, it was, oh, my God. But it's, yeah. It's, yeah, no, it I'm, not, I'm not yeah. that crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. do some yeah. stuff. But, so, I have other, other stuff to talk about. Um, another thing yeah. is, I don't know about you, but are you into, like, planting and gardening at all? Uh, I'm not. My wife is. My kids are. Uh uh, so, in fact, my young, oldest, when she lived with us, was always planting uh, tomatoes and thing, you know, growing tomatoes. And, well, are you, afra- are you afraid that you'll kill it? Are you afraid that you'll kill it? Actually, no. It's more of a case of, you know, I just never got around to doing it or finding the time to do it or having to water the plants. It's more of a time thing. Right. And so, so I mean, we got um, plants. I yeah. I found this really cool thing. I actually ordered it. So yeah, hold on that thought right there. This is Tom Down right. here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Let's go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Donson Files. This is Tom Donson, Coco Konski. Again, phone number if you want to participate because after Coco kind of summarizes everything, I'm going to ask her the question that, Let's just put it this way. For years and years, I've always stated, and people always criticize me, Tom, but that's really not a nice thing to say about AOC, uh, that she's stupid. But last night, I thought she was very – I don't think she's stupid. I don't think she's stupid. I just think she panders to the wrong people. Yeah, I thought last night – I mean, just – and we're going to talk about that, but we'll go ahead and let you finish. Well, we will. Okay, let me finish out this really cool list because um, I felt this was very useful for me, uh, and maybe, you know, it'd be useful for you guys. Um, And I was talking to you guys, Tom, about plants. Like, you know, for me, um, when I moved into my condo, like, I don't have an outdoor space, which sucks so much. I miss my balcony. Um, So, but I love to plant because it's it's a very – stress reliever for some really reason it's just like a big stress reliever so I went online and I was going to order something maybe I can plant something inside and then I found this thing on Amazon it's called the smart garden yes technology has now evolved to plants um and what it, it's pretty hard to accidentally kill anything growing in this like self-watering planter so that's one of the reasons I bought it. 
I thought it's cool. You can plant up to like three pots of like whatever vegetable you want. So I thought that was really cool. And like you can do herbs, vegetables, like whatever you want to plant really. And so I found that online. It was like 50 bucks. I was like, okay. Um, and it's kind of crazy, Tom. It's like, it, it has like a remote control. Like the only thing you do is that you filter, you put water inside the filter mm-hmm. And that will last, like, for, like, a couple of weeks. So it basically yeah. will – let. it's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know. That's something that I thought would be interesting. I mean, it has a built-in timer. Um, it has an LED light specifically designed for plants like they would in the sun. Um, it has, like, a self-watering tank. Um, you know, a water level indicator so it will tell you if you need to refill it. So I thought for 50 bucks, that wasn't too bad, especially for people who love to plant, but they don't have the space to. I thought this was a really, really awesome idea. I don't know if that's something you would get, Tom, for maybe one of your kids, yeah. but I thought I thought it was a really, really cool thing for uh, yeah. somebody who wants to plant but does not have the space for it. Well, actually, yeah, because I think my daughter has one of those. Because oh, really? she did some indoor plant, you know, planting when we were here, you know, when she was with us, and uh, so yeah, so I do think she has one of those. All right, okay, I, I I'm gonna put it this way. I somebody has to. I guess my question would be is this: I'm AOC, I'm Alexander Cortez. All right, I'm essentially designing Joe Biden's Green New Deal. I've already endorsed the guy, and somebody comes up to you and says. Well, we need somebody to second the nomination of Bernie Sanders so we can, you know, placate the Bernie bros or whatever. My first response would be find somebody else. Yeah. Well, I I mean, that was my response, too. That was my response, too. Um, And it's funny that you said that. Um, That's a lot of the Democrats' response. Like, and. This is what the Democrats are really saying, you know, especially those who um, are for Kamala, like me. Um, it, it's it's basically, you know, why um, if, if if even if it's a protocol, like it is okay, whatever, you know. Uh, she's been she's a huge Bernie supporter, um, and so that's pretty established in itself. But you know. Why did it have to be her? You know, I mean, it, it it was it was it was kind of to me. I felt she was like kind of sandbagging uh, Biden with that re- remark. Like you should have seen me um, when I when I heard it, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I was yeah. like, "What is going on?" I mean, like literally, my face, my jaw dropped. I was like, "You have got." to be kidding me with this like seriously um so yeah. i mean uh, the, thing, the thing that blew my mind though was by uh bernie the night before the very night before you know they he he had endorsed biden so yeah. you know, for her to come out and like a two-second sentence, not like you know, saying, "Well, we endorse uh, Bernie Sanders." It's just like, come on. 
Um, I will yeah. tell you, though, I really enjoyed the roll call. I've actually never seen that. I mean, is, is that normal in, uh, in, in like, the DNC or the RNC or whatever conventions? Um, uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Benjamin B. You always have the roll it. call. Yeah, I, mean, I know, and I this loved was it. Virtual. I loved it. Yeah. I no, they, absolutely year, no, loved it. This year they did it virtual. I mean, everybody did their own state thing. And, it was, uh, and so this is what's different about because obviously there's, there's nobody there in Milwaukee doing this. Uh, you know, I mean, there's nobody really on site. So, but, yeah, they do the roll call every – both parties always do a roll call, which brings me to the other point with Bernie. It's like, you know – you know, there's a point somewhere where Bernie should have said, okay, by acclamation, we support Joe Biden. And if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Hillary did that in 2008. So, it, you know, there's this aspect of this whole thing was, in a way, kind of a, I mean, first of all, why, you know, he's already endorsed Joe Biden. So why put, you know, why go through the nomination process? I mean, I'm not sure that this is going to satisfy a, a Bernie bro anymore. That you know, having AOC up there saying, oh, I, oh, God, I got because- so much hate. I got so much hate on uh, on the the set yesterday when I heard it because I just I went on this like huge Twitter rant or whatever, and um, it 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 was really like just like why, like to to me, you know, if she's pissing a hell of a lot of women in the Democratic Party by doing that. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, you know, if you know about, you know, Alexander Cortez, but not Lauren Underwood and Cherie DeVids, who won as progressive from the straight and in red states, you know, plus, you know, actually passed laws that were not the same political spectrum because, you know, you're about sensationalism politics and not getting stuff done politics, you know, and, um, and it's not even good sensationalism, you know, you know, she was, she was, you know, I, I mean, it just, to me, like, I don't, I don't think, I think of her as someone who basically caught a lucky break and who, for me, she doesn't. To me, she doesn't represent the Democratic Party. Like she does not. And there, there's so many other women like me who feel that way. Well, I mean, you know, especially reality, especially women of color feel that way right now about Alexander Cortez and the whole Biden situation. Well, let me yeah. Let me put this. Let me throw it back in this one because here's the thing: you can say she doesn't represent. Uh, she doesn't. But ninety percent of your of what Joe Biden is going to be running on. And that's fine, because I agree with Joe Biden. Okay, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. I, well, I'm yeah, actually for I mean, the Green Deal. I'm fine with that. Yeah. My, what I'm not fine with is, you know, you're at the Democratic Party, okay? You are in the D, you're at the DNC, where it's like the most important election of most people's lives, and you choose to basically nominate someone that you know can't win. Like, to me, that was just a distraction. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. That was a distraction. Yeah. I really, truly believe that. Yeah. Why well, did I mean they, like I said because okay we're going yeah yeah I don't want to get it and start on the Green New Deal until because because uh, we're going to get ready we're bouncing up here on some great programming on the uh, Bachelor News Radio Network so what we're going to do take the quick break right now this is Tom Donson Coco Comsky on the Donson Files on the Bachelor News 
Radio Network. This is Dr. Larry Pitoa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Also, Locker Talk with Barry Bonds. Barry, where you can hear about the NFL stars of tomorrow, today, listen to Barry every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com slash la-bachelor. And the podcast every day from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern uh, Eastern Standard Times with back-to-back episode on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Interested in having you know show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. All right. First of all, see, here's the problem with the Green New Deal. It is a socialist idea. It's a well, sense, okay, I mean, it's got, we're not, I'm not done oh, talking yeah. about Alexandra Cortez, though. Like, I mean, you can't oh, switch from, like, one thing to another when I'm done. Um, well, you know, right. I mean, the Green the Greendale is what the Greendale is, you know. Um, not Greendale, Green Deal. I'm thinking of community. Um, but, you know, what, 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 you know, if we're going to talk DNC and what's going on, you know, you know, when when she nominated Bernie, I was like, didn't Bernie just speak and support Biden last time? I mean, and this is like her, her one minute shot and she's whining about Bernie Sanders losing, you know? Yeah. But see, yeah, he lost, but he lost. I know, but see, but I guess my point would be is this, she was asked to do it from what I understand. And, you know, she was asked. No, and to I do understand this. that too. I I understand. I, that's I, why, I, you know, quite, my, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's what she okay. said because like a lot of people started attacking her, and she just like, well, I was asked to do this. It's like, okay, you could have said no. I mean, you no, know, so you could have. Yeah. They could have been someone else. Yeah. Well, that's exactly my point. That's the reason why I, that was exactly my point. Uh, because my view is very simple. I said, you know, go find somebody else. And if they can't find somebody else and you can't get someone to second the nomination, there's no nomination. It's, you know, Robert's Rules of Order. Well, by the way, anybody want to comment on this? And uh, 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. Or you can go on Twitter at – go on the left or at Donaldson Files, and we – and we'll even read your comments or questions on the air. So you can do that right now while we still have, you know, right now. All right. Well, I'm with you in the sense that this was one of those political moves that a political pro doesn't do. I mean, in my view, it's just like one of those things where you just simply say, hey, I ain't doing this. Go find somebody else. I mean, she didn't have to do it. And she certainly has enough pull within the Democratic Party to go tell Tom Perez, you know, where to get off. I mean, she's not an insignificant figure in the Democratic Party at this moment. No. So, and so I mean, she had every option to, to do that. And I'll go back to the Green New Deal. Why it, it goes back is she's the person running point 
on this for the Biden I mean, Biden has basically handed over the environmental side over to her. I mean, right up a platform, right up whatever you want to do. I'll go, and that's what I'll campaign on. I, I mean, mean but here's the thing. It, it's causing more decisiveness. Div- sorry, divisiveness, yeah. you know. And, you know, I mean, ASC should have endorsed Biden, you know, um, without a doubt. You know, it would have been a very simple thing to do. You know, she should have had some advisors working with, you know, for her um, to, to kind of, like, move her along in this situation. You know, I mean, I know politics is a rough game, but, you know, um, watching the DNC, which, again, I think they should do virtual forever. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I felt it felt like it was very inclusive, you know, well, here's the thing. sitting there. Like, uh, here's, that's yeah, what it felt like. You know, let me throw the point back to you this way. Let's take it even a step further because here we are talking about AOC. And a bunch of people were talking about AOC overlooking as opposed to, say, Joe Biden's speech, which I thought, you know, as a well, somebody on the other side. You're never going to like anything he does. You're never going to like his speeches. Like, no, no. just like I'm not going to like Trump's speeches. No, no, no. You know? No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't say speech. No, I said that what my point was. You didn't listen to my point. My point was, I thought she gave a very good speech, and it does. And here we are the next day talking about AOC as opposed to Jill Biden's speech, which to me was the best part of last night. If there was anything last uh-huh. night, you sit back and say, from my point of view, uh, you know, I would say okay, you know, because I found the rest of it boring, given to my views and my weaknesses of it. But her, you know, what she did, she gave. She made her husband look human, you know, gave a reason, you know, hey, this is my husband. It talked about in a diff, you know, different light, gave a human aspect to who Joe Biden is. And that is getting lost in our discussion about OAC. That's my point. My point is the OAC controversy took away from probably the best part of the evening. That's my point. Because I thought from a political point yeah. of view, what she did was very good. You understand now what I'm saying? No, I mean, I get it. I mean, and here's the thing. I love Joe Biden's speech. I really did. Like, um, I loved everything about it. And I think I think she's a great she, she's a great lady. I love when they talked about McCain. I really, really love that. Um, and it's, <laughs> I actually laughed at his speech about McCain and how McCain was supposed to be his bag boy. Um, I thought that was very funny. And having that, like, the fact that, you know, even though they were basically opposite sides of the political spectrum, they were still very good friends and, like, remained that way. I mean, I, lo- I love the part where they were talking about how he would battle Ms. McCain on the Senate floor, and then a couple hours they, were go to, they would go to dinner together. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed that because that's the type of politics that I miss, you know, right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, my point again, and the other aspect of it is this, and it'd be interesting to see how Kamala and Joe Biden handles the next tonight, because in 2016, one of the there was a very interesting study, and I and I and I basically do this myself when I do anything. Uh, you know, yeah, but here's um, the point I'm making. Speaking of Kamala, right? Yeah, so, but yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the point I'm gonna make. For two nights, I know what you guys don't like. But you need to give people, if you're going to run a campaign on the idea orange man is bad, 
you may end up losing this election. Uh, and that's exactly what Hillary did in many of her ads. You know, one of the things, one of the big studies we did, there was a study that was done where they basically looked at ads and they said, well, Trump's ads, a good portion of those ads was, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's why it's going to be better. Uh, Hillary's ads were totally like Orange Man Bash. She did give people reason, and I've yet to hear that, okay, here's what we're going to do to make your life better. And, 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 and this is where Kamlin and Joe Biden over the next two nights are going to have to do. They're going to have to sit back and say, okay, here's what we're going to do to make your life better. Orange Man Bad is not going to be enough to take you to the finish line. I'm, I, I, I'm telling you that's and it's based on political experiences, and 2016 is a good example of that. That's you know, and that's and I guess my question would be is I mean these are things that Camlin and Biden you know, Harris and Biden have to do over the next two nights. Give people a reason to vote for us as opposed to Orange Man Bat. Your thoughts. Really quickly, really quickly I wanna say that um I, I love the relationship between Kamala and her stepdaughter. Um, you know, she mm-hmm. She, she married, you know, their father when they were, like, teenagers. Um, and you can tell, like, um, if you go on, like, if you search for, like, Kamal Harris's husband's uh, uh, kids, like, you see that, like, all the way back to, like, 2015 or 16 where, you know, they're all hanging out with her. And they seem to have, like, a really good connection. And that is mm-hmm. extremely hard. I will tell you, you know, not most step parents don't have the best relationships with their kids. And to me, it's, it's just something that I really admire about her. Um, you know, in fact, her stepdaughter is going to be uh, announcing um, her endorsement. Um, I think it's going to be either today or tomorrow. And she's going to be um, introduced by her stepdaughter, which I think is really cool. So, I mean, yeah, to me, yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what tells me a person is a good person is if, you know, I mean, you can have kids or whatever, but, like, if you're involved with someone who already had teenagers and you can get along and you guys are, like, yeah. like a really close family, like, to me, that says a lot about a person. Yeah. Well, you say, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say tonight, tomorrow night. Because I said the first two nights, and and it goes back to the virtual. I mean, you seem to like the virtual. Uh, I'm looking at the ratings. Nobody you know, seems to be downward compared to other years. And I know, and I have to be honest with you. I've not been overly impressed with except with Fox with what I've seen on the overly, you know, on this virtual uh-huh. side. I I, was, I just I, I just have not been that overly impressed. On the, you know, the production well, I mean, side I, because... I, you know what? I, I feel like she's a good person. I really do. I mean, I know people yeah. have worked with her, and they, they love her as a boss. Um, I don't I don't have a problem. Like, if, if it was Warren, I'd probably be like, uh, no. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking of, so, yeah. okay. Speaking of someone... Warren. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Warren. Uh-huh. I, I, I have to say, I mean, I mean, this is like one of those things. I did. I thought this was an onion satire, where you have Elizabeth Warren appearing at a Native American caucus event at the Democratic National Convention. Well, I mean, I, but like, that, here's the thing: like, who cares about Warren anymore? Like, nobody cares no. about her right now. It's Kamala. No one, 
I mean, cares. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't care. I mean, she could do what she wants. Like, you know. Yeah, I know, um, but I mean, it does. But I mean, the, the woman basically spent thirty some decades lying about her Native American heritage, and then you see this. I mean, I, I mean, my first thought was, this is, you know, is this for real? Is it like a satire? What? And it's not. I mean, yeah, this is the kind of thing that when you're at a convention, you try to avoid. These kinds of things, whether embarrassing or funny, is the same thing AOC. You know, to me, that's the thing you mm-hmm. don't do at convention: create fake, contra- false controversies over something that should never have happened in the begin with. You know, these are things you just don't have to happen to begin with. And, and if you're talking about these things, it takes away from what it is you hope to accomplish. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, like, other, I mean, and, I don't and, care about Warren. I honestly don't. I'm sorry. I, like, I just she doesn't. Yeah. Like she's no, Warren. But, <laughs> I mean, like yeah. I don't. Well, let me ask you. Okay, no, let me put it this way. Yeah, you know, my view is I've not been overly impressed with the virtual aspects of this. I convention. loved it. Are you? You know what That's, I loved it, Tom? Can I tell you why I ahead. loved it? I felt like I was yeah. part of it. That's what I mm-hmm. loved it. Like if it was just a regular on stage with thousands of people, like you, you wouldn't feel. I feel as much of a connection as. I did personally watching it virtual because you got to see everybody's reaction. You got to see everybody chiming in. And so with the role, everything from the roll call to, you know, hearing uh, people talk about Joe Biden and I just felt really included. That's mm-hmm. the feeling I got. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. my point would be, because here's the thing. You look at the ratings, the ratings are not what they were in 2006. Usually conventions are at least designed to show off and give you a little bit of a bump and be that shining light, okay, this is why, you know, we're going to do for you. That's the reason I go back to the point because I always make an, uh, an aspect that when you're in politics, you know, there's two aspects of politics. One, people vote for two reasons. First, fear of the other guy. You take the fear out, then two things happen. They either vote for your guy or they stay home. But what they don't do. And you get that. The other aspect is, what are you going to do for me? What is their hope? I mean, and sometimes you get that campaign like a Reagan in '80, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Obama in 2008. Hope and change. Hope Can and I change. also say something? I've never seen Republicans in a DNC convention. <laughs> what? I was like, well, I mean, you know what? Okay, politics aside, Tom. Politics aside, when was the last time you saw a heap of Republicans endorsing a Democratic candidate? Just, just tell me that. Without yeah. mentioning Trump, without anything, just when was the last time that ever happened? It's. I'm trying to think. It's been a while. Probably a lot <laughs> less, a lot less than when, let's say, you've had Democrats endorse uh, right <laughs> Republicans, like you'd had in 2008 with Lieberman right. endorsing uh, McCain. Uh, yeah. Of course, here's the problem yeah. you run into. Yeah. Well, Let McCain, me throw this yeah, out McCain, to you. Yes, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess my question I would throw back would be uh, it makes it far more stronger if the person you're. Uh, is, are, I mean, because the problem you run into, other than Cindy McCain and maybe Kasich, most of these other Republicans, nobody's heard of. <laughs> Or it's been their day has been so long past. Christy, uh, Christine Whitman, uh, Meg, uh, what's it, Meg Whitman? Is that her name? Uh, the lady who ran for uh, governor, I think, of 2010 of your state. The question would be, and to me, is I'm not sure that 
is a big factor. But and here's the other thing that comes in play. What happened before Casey gives his speech? He gets a AOC starts get, uh, picks a fight with him. <laughs> I mean, she literally went on a Twitter war against the Kasich, and they went at each other before the whole thing started. I mean, I, I know what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm going to be watching the Democratic campaign. Um, I also um, volunteered to be a poll worker. So uh-huh. I have that going for me in November. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Thank I'm you. I've done that. Thank you. I have, Thank I have you. done that once. It's not an easy job. It's 14 hours, of, but, uh, but you'll get $200. Uh, at least that's what they pay in Iowa. Or 14, oh, 14 they hours pay? Worth of work. I didn't even know they paid. I was going to do it for free. Yeah, no, they actually do not. Wait, they pay? Yes, they pay. Yes, they do. Oh, they pay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I'll tell you what, we got about three minutes left, and we got to. Uh, so I want to kind of, like I said, we got into some conversation. Like I said, I still think AOC either is immature, stupid, or a combination of both. I. You know, a lot of people criticized me when I did that before about a year ago. Guess what? Well, I, I don't think I've you're made... stupid. I mean, you're not. You're, you don't get into this game if you're stupid. Like, I'm sorry. You're, you're very savvy. You're smart. And but stupidity? Well, no, I don't think that. I just think she's ahead well, of herself. But, That's all. Well, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that she has. She is full of herself. But uh, but the other side of the equation, uh, that's what you got. Nancy Pelosi's job is supposed to be is to remind her, which she hasn't done over the past some years. But that's – yeah. Okay, so here's what we got coming Wait, next week. Uh, we, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you finish up. So really quickly, will... really, really quickly, um, if you're going to be a, 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 a standby um, uh, in the poll worker in California, you make $35. Oh, really? Well, you got ripped off. I, I did. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah, California, yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's it. Next week, Ian uh, Murray will be on Tuesday. Uh, his schedule will be on Tuesday. Next Wednesday is Ladies' Night. I will be out of town on business, but Coco and her gang will be here yes. doing what they do best. No taboos. So uh, the following week, Wilfer Riley will be on joining us with a possible grain groundbreaking research. He will be discussed, and then Justin Hart will be joining us on uh, the uh, September the 2nd. So we actually got a program already planned out in all of this. Woohoo! So, yeah. So I will say it's nice to have you back. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, well, Thank I will probably you. see you in about a, I guess I guess I will be seeing you for like a couple of weeks now. Because uh, if I'm not going to be That's okay. Wednesday. All right. That's All right, okay. so ladies, that's right, ladies' night. And ladies' night and is Murray. Wednesday night tomorrow. Oh, not tomorrow, next week. What? Next week, a week from next week. All right, Tom Donaldson, Coco Constance. All right. Good night from the Donaldson Files in the back of the news radio network. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woo-hoo!
That treaty was brokered by President Jimmy Carter after President Richard Nixon saved the Israelis from defeat in the Yom Kippur War of 1973. However, there has only been one additional breakthrough since then, as the Palestinians grew more and more influential after having been adopted by Iran. This treaty was followed by a succession, this treaty with the between these two uh, nations, has uh, followed a succession of moves by the Trump administration over the past three years after uh, President uh, Obama alienated the uh, Muslim neighbors of Israel by his extraordinary treatment of Iran, which is the leader now of the Shia Muslim countries in the age-old feud between the two branches of of Islam. The open enmity of the Iranian leadership toward all the allies of the United States, particularly against its Sunni neighbors, has been growing as Iran has committed more and more resources to its terrorist activities. Understandably, the Obama Pact has therefore become ever more odious to our Sunni allies, so in order to show them good faith, Trump repudiated that agreement, Uh, which, by the way, was never ratified by the United States Senate. Next, he moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, implementing a promise made by several predecessors but never executed. He then formed the Sunni-Israeli Coalition, which unofficially coordinates the anti-Iran activities of its members, uh, who are uh, Israel, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Oman. The establishment of this group is an astonishing development, given the fierce anti-Israeli posture of Arabs in the past. It also engages the leader of the Sunni opposition, Saudi Arabia, with Israel in a way which was inconceivable only a few years ago. Now comes the treaty with the UAE. Because of its strategic position at the mouth of the Persian Gulf and the beginning of the Gulf of Oman, as well as its vast oil reserves, the UAE is very influential as a trendsetter among the Sunni countries. It also has a very vulnerable coastline across the narrowest stretch of the Persian Gulf water between its shores and the coast of Iran. Another consideration which can be imputed to the UAE government is that its economy and its citizens tend to be aggressive, prosperous, and progressive. The increased familiarity with Israel is bound to be reflected in an increased exposure to the United States, which bodes well for one of the historically most active trading centers in the Gulf, if not the entire Arab world. This aspect of the new treaty is highlighted by the invitation to the principals to come to the White House for the official signing of the treaty in the next three weeks. In summary, this treaty joins similar treaties between Israel and two other Arab countries, Egypt and Jordan, which was signed in 1984, as a significant step toward the president's goal of creating a more peaceful Middle East, 
where uh, the USA's interests can be trade and commerce instead of war and violence. However, this development and the trend of the Sunni nations to band together with the United States does also have a military implication. For one thing, it puts Iran, a traditional enemy of Iran, but it puts Iraq, which is a traditional enemy of Iran, uh, but one where Iranian influence has been rapidly increasing, right in the crosshairs of the territorial distance between Iraq's eastern border with Iran and its western border with Saudi Arabia. In spite of all the sacrifices Americans have made to win the freedom of the, Amer- of the Iraqi people, the ascendancy of Iran's influence makes this, its future posture toward the USA highly problematical. Be that as it may, UAE's joining the American side of this rivalry must be comforting to them. And this, of course, is due to the Trump revival of America's military capabilities. Seeking protection from a country which could not defeat a ragtag force of Afghan rebels in 19 years would not be attractive without this buildup. Only a double-edged initiative of diplomacy and might will win new friends. And finally, there is China. The UAE is one of China's major suppliers of energy. Accordingly, China has been taking a notable interest in the UAE and all of the Gulf states. It is not beyond imagination that China has had its eye on a major influence, if not control, of the Persian Gulf, with its friend Iran on one bank and the UAE on the other. China's avowed goal of world domination would be well served if their permission, if not the assistance, would be required for commerce to continue in the world's most active industry depot, uh, energy industry depots. In that particular race, the treaty means America won and China zero. Well done, Mr. President, and congratulations also to your young phenomenon, Gerald Kushner, who represented the president in these negotiations. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Welcome back to the Dr. Larry Show, which is also the home of the Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Konsky. They discuss politics on the right and left while giving you entertainment news and guests and listen live every Tuesday and Wednesday from 6 to uh, eight, uh, six to 7 Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash Bachelor, and every day at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern Time at the Bachelor News Dot airtime dot pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us 
at labaster40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. And now I'd like to uh, introduce our guest for the evening, George Lambert, who is a uh, president of a Washington think tank. And uh, uh, welcome to the uh, Dr. Larry Show, George. Larry, it's great to be with you. It's always a pleasure. Well, um, why don't you tell uh, the folks uh, just a little bit about your uh, what you guys do over there at the uh, at the Freedom Foundation? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, Frontiers of Freedom was founded by Malcolm Wallop. He was uh, he's passed away several years ago, but he was a three-term U.S. senator and. Um, he was a conservative. He was a friend of Ronald Reagan's. He uh, introduced Ronald Reagan to the idea of missile defense uh, before he ran for president. Became part of Ronald Reagan's um, approach to the Cold War. So it was, um, you know. So anyhow, he was a, a, a an important figure in, in public policy. But when he retired from the U.S. Senate, he wasn't that interested in just retiring entirely. He wanted to continue to play some role in the, um, you know, in public policy. So he started an organization called Frontiers of Freedom, which is a think tank, and and so that's uh, that's kind of the the area we operate in. And uh, it's uh, you know whether it's national security or defense policy or energy policy or you know just even deregulatory tax policy. It's all kinds of that kind of stuff. But it's uh, something I've done for a while now, and I have to say I'm really glad that one day uh, Senator Walt called me up on the phone and said, hey, can we have a conversation? <laughs> Turned out well for me. Well, uh, I'm sure that you uh, have a, uh, some uh, comments on, uh, on the, uh, on, on the uh, Israeli-UAE treaty. Uh, what did you think of that? I thought it was very good news. Um, I'll be honest, uh, the UAE um, has a reputation for being one of the more open and, um, you know, a little closer pluralistic than you think of generally when you look at the Middle East. Um, but, um, but it, you know, they didn't have relation. They, they had no official relationship with, uh, with Israel. Um, I remember when I traveled there, I've been to the UAE a couple times, um, I was told by some friends, you know, don't don't try to travel, you know, to Israel before you go to the UAE. They see that in your passport. You're going to get some uh, adverse reactions, blah, blah, blah. So this is a big step forward because that means that's, that, that sort of hostility is gone now. And they're going to have cultural exchange, uh, you know, academic exchanges. There's a lot of things that go with this. This is good news because – one of the problems you have in the Middle East is the statement that probably seems fairly obvious to you and me, which is Israel has a right to exist and it has a right to defend itself from those who wished it didn't exist. That seems kind of like, you know, yeah, no, duh. But uh, that's not necessarily everyone's view in the world. And so um, I think it's very, it's a big deal that the UAE, who is a business center in the Middle East, um, in many respects, they're a, a leader within their region. And um, I think, you know, this is a, as I see it, a big step forward. 
Does it solve all of the world's problems? Of course not, but it solves some of them and it gets us a step closer to a lot of other problems. So I think it's, uh, um, you know, a, a piece of good news in a year that we could probably use some good news. Yeah, it also brings up another issue, and, and I, I was reading a, uh, an article uh, from, uh, uh, from a European uh, Jewish source, uh, which made, made, a, made a, I thought, a, a really interesting point. And that is that Europe is still, including the, uh, uh, the, uh, the all of the, the major governments as, as well as the uh, European Union, are are uh, still under the impression that the main issue in the Middle Eastern unrest is uh, the Palestinian issue, and. Um, and and his point was that this this treaty and the whole Trump uh, administration's uh, thrust is uh, actually uh, aimed at a different pro, a different issue, and that is the defeat, at least the checking, and ho- hopefully the defeat of the uh, leadership in Iran, which is being more and more. Uh, uh, troublesome to the uh, world in terms of its uh, terrorist uh, activities, like right now in in in, uh, in Syria and uh, through Hezbo- Hezbollah, which which is one of its uh, its sort of client uh, groups uh, in uh, in Lebanon. So it th- that is now uh, really the central the central issue, and it's taken away the power of the Palestinians to uh, dominate the dialogue uh, between uh, Israel and uh, the rest of the Arab world. And uh, the other factor, and he didn't make as much of a point out of this, but the other factor is that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 Recognition of the of these, particularly the Sunni Arabs, at this time, uh, uh, that uh, that they could use a lot of economic development, including, and maybe even especially, uh, Saudi Arabia itself. Um, that is a really interesting phenomenon because not only is uh, Israel, the probably militarily the strongest uh, country in the Middle East right now, uh, even even stronger than Saudi Arabia, not because of the manpower, but because of the technology, and then also because of its relationship with the United States. And the United States, in fact, has if if the trading and the commerce factors of uh, the uh, relationship between the various uh, Sunni Arab states and the United States uh, were to become more and more uh, uh, peaceful and and prominent, uh, that that might have a, a very positive effect on the um, on the Arabian uh, countries. Uh, uh, very vast poverty and, and also the displacement of all the refugees that have been uh, uh, t- that have it has ha- has happened now because of the uh, 
the, the Syrian and uh, and now the Turkish and Kurdish issues. So the relationship between the United States is really one of the underlying benefits to uh, peop- to the countries that decide to uh, be good to Israel, and that is much, both of those issues are much more important now than the uh, declining influence of the Palestinians who are who have been working for 20 well, really longer than that at least for 20 years now on uh, um, the uh, uh, who, who have been working on this whole issue that uh, that they want to destroy Israel and that that's the only way that they're going to uh, get their land back so really um, this this is a whole new world as far as the uh, fundamental um, position of of the Middle East, uh, and and another factor, of course, is that, that once uh, as as things start firming up, uh, this whole this whole issue of uh, of Afghanistan is getting more and more. I mean, Trump wants to get out of Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, frankly, after 19 years, we ought to be seriously uh, trying to do that. And um, if that happens, then uh, we are going to depend really upon that alliance to maintain the uh, the uh, maintain Iran as kind of a uh, get 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 limitations and and. and and draw serious uh, serious boundaries as to what they can do and what they can't do. So anyway, that uh, those are a couple of other points that that really are are extremely uh, significant. And one of the reasons that I I took on this this uh, subject for for this program is that um, I, I think in these uh, times. Uh, we're hearing such uh, outlandish and really uh, fictional uh, charges against the Trump administration for being stupid and disorganized and and uh, and uh, so on. Uh, it's it's useful to point out how sophisticated and how uh, far-sighted uh, his policy against in the Middle East has been. And this, of course, this treaty uh, really highlights that. So that brings us to the uh, to the to the next topic. That and, well, le- first of all, you ought to I ought to give you a chance to comment on all that. Well, I would just say um, I agree. I think um, one of the problems when the peace process was uh, focused solely on the Palestinian Authority. Um, they got to a point where they didn't see a lot of value in actually having a peace result, as I see it. I I saw them as becoming uh, against peace and, uh, you know, pretending to be for peace, but they saw this as uh, an issue that they could benefit from. Um, And so as a result, it didn't really matter what the Israelis uh, offered them or not. It just wasn't going to happen because, uh, one, during the Obama years, they spent so much time leaning all over the the, – Israelis and making it clear that it was all everything was on them. Uh, the Palestinians were like, okay, well, great, let's uh, 
you know, and, and so this, I think, is smart to have the peace process be from people who are on the outside who actually care about peace and don't have an, a vested interest in there being a continuing uh, quagmire. And so I agree with you entirely that uh, this – some people could say, oh, it's not really that big a deal, and I would just say, well, in the Middle East, this is a big deal. This might not be a big deal if it was an agreement between the U.S. and, say, Canada or you know, be like, yeah, we don't have a problem there, but this is a big deal. Yeah, and 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 also the uh, fact that that Europe is is really you know be, behind the eight ball on on their on their policies. Uh, it seems like one of the factors may very well be the anti-Semitism that's still uh, very uh, very widespread in uh, one degree or another. In various uh, in the various European countries, you just wonder if if that doesn't have a lot to do with their reluctance to get anything started. Well, we'll um, hold, we'll take a break here, and uh, uh, you're listening to the Doctor Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, well, you might as well continue to listen. (laughs) I thought we were going to get a break, but I guess we don't. So um, uh, the next topic then, uh, which uh, I I saw as uh, indirectly related to this this topic, which is the the Democrat uh, case against the uh, Trump administration, I don't know. I presume you've been uh, watching some of the Democrat so-called convention. I I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what to call it anymore. It's not (laughs) certainly not a convention in the traditional sense. But um, right, right. You know, it seems like interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it it seems like an alternative reality. Um, I mean, they're talking. They're talking about Trump as an autocrat, and uh, I mean, how could how could how could they uh, how could they come to that conclusion? I, I mean, it was it was Obama that talked about uh, as long as he has the uh, what do you say the pen and the telephone, uh, right. he was gonna he was gonna continue to to uh, do what he thought was best and. Uh, that's basically what uh, what Trump is doing, and um, that seems to be a. I think Bush was doing the same thing. Uh, uh, it seems to be a, a you know kind of a accepted practice. Uh, what what why and, and then then you know, of, of all people they want to call him a, a, a socialist, uh, an autocrat. When mm. I mean uh, a dictator, when a Nazi. When in fact that that was a the, the real name of the Nazis is the National Socialist uh, Party, and that's <laughs> yeah uh, so, yeah that you're exactly ahead. right. People people get confused and think that, that Nazis are somehow uh, conservatives. They were socialists. If you go back, um, both uh, you know in the early days of. Uh, you know, communism and so forth. Lenin, of course, was important in in uh, Russia. Um, 
the uh, um, Mussolini was important in, in Italy, um, and you know Mussolini was a, a socialist, and um, and he was good friends with Lenin, and um, the main thing that divided them. Um, you know, they had this idea that, you know, communism was just going to happen because it was the natural progression of things. If you, you know, kind of follow the literature, that was the, what uh, Marx had told them. Uh, the people who became fascists, um, they weren't the opposite of communists. They were actually interested in communism. They just wanted to give it a little push because they weren't sure it was happening fast enough. And so they felt like they needed to be a little more militant and a little more aggressive. And so they became that. But they... Uh, you know, there's a reason why um, these guys all call themselves socialists. <laughs> so I find it very funny that now, you know, a, a generation or two later, half the world thinks that, uh, you know, Nazis are conservatives. Like, okay, sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just, well, it's kind well, of, in fact, it's it's just ignorance. Yeah, it, it is ignorance because the, the, I mean, really, the the touchstone of the uh, Nazi. Uh, contribution to European history was the, the murder of uh, six million Jews. And, and right. certainly there's been nothing like that uh, even even talk, talked about. I mean, it's right. just... It's just uh, well, the other thing about that is that's not remotely close to even conservative. Conservatives believe in less government and more freedom. So I'm trying to figure out how killing six million Jews in concentration camps advances any of those causes. That's a statist government. That's what it, that's what it takes to, to do that kind of uh, mass murder. You have to have very big government. And that's what you get with socialism and, and communism. So um, I, I always find this argument kind of just kind of like mind numbingly silly when they, you know, try to tell you, Oh no, no, they were, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, you can look at see who their friends were. They corresponded with each other. They were, you know, they were card-carrying young at the time uh, socialists. And then, you know, Mr. Mussolini uh, was in charge of publications in his in his circles in in, in Italy. He wasn't yet obviously the uh, the dictator of uh, Italy yet, but he got there. And he didn't. He never renounced his socialism. Well. Really, the, the the key, when we say socialist, I think most people don't really, all they think of is trying to get government benefits. And uh, and really, that's, that's, that's just the facade of socialism, because, because socialism really says, you know, first of all, it, it's very idealistic. It's, 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 it takes the idea that um, if all people are equally uh, powerful, and that is to say that they don't have the um, most much individual power, that that all of the power really in the community rests in the government. Well, in the United States, that's the they, that's the federal government, and so what that really means, as it did in Russia, that uh, they. They have uh, the idea that 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 the um, government, the federal government, is really responsible for everything, and and therefore, all 
all uh, all activities and all um, uh, attempts uh, to uh, regulate life uh, are must have come from the central government. And forget about the the, the states and the uh, communities the way we have it in the United States. But but the the fundamental issue there is is that idealism that somehow or other uh, people are good. It's like maybe against the uh, Christian idea of original sin, that they don't really believe that, that evil is going to uh, raise its head in, uh, in, in a properly uh, uh, beneficial society. When, of course, what always happens, and it has happened every time that, that philosophy has uh, been uh, undertaken in a particular country, is that the bad guys really don't they they see that as weakness so they start they start trying to uh uh you know scare people and and really uh murder people that are uh opposed to their ascendancy to power so that eventually all of the socialist governments that are really socialist end up in in dictatorships and they're very oh, cruel yeah. and and very uh, it's like the Chinese and the and the Russians, um, mm-hmm. which are the largest examples of it. And that is really what we're seeing uh, in all of this uh, urban violence that we have now. Uh, we're seeing that that the uh, the bad guys are taking over the whole peaceful protest movement, which is actually part of the uh american uh, uh birthright to uh, uh provide all kinds of uh, uh opportunities for people to express themselves even if they're uh, uh very protesting various government or or other activities so um th- this whole thing i think is based upon a, a fundamentally uh erroneous and very dangerous um, uh, concept of, of human beings. There, there is evil in the world, and it has to be contained. And the only thing that, that, that the only way that we're going to uh, guard our, our population against uh, evil people is by some kind of law and order, and that in turn depends upon uh, having uh, good guys uh, stand forward, and right now that's that's uh, that's getting harder and harder for people to really do because of all of the the uh, all of the ideas that are every time somebody tries to run for anything uh, they start and, and the Trump thing is the greatest example of this. They if they can't find anything that's really wrong, they go and make things up. And then they yep. promulgate it, and and uh, everybody starts to believe it. So it's just a very, very dangerous situation, as I see it. Oh, well, I agree. I mean, you know, sometimes people ask, why don't we have, uh, you know, more good people running for office? And the answer is, well, come on, you got to be kidding me. Look at how we treat them. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, we make villains of them if we don't like their position. They don't have to actually be villains. We'll just make them a villain anyhow. And it's just kind of, I don't know, I just find it kind of odd that this is the world we live in, and then we complain about, um, 
you know, the quality of the people we have. But bottom line is um, you can kind of, when it's interesting, for example, in the uh, democratic um, convention, virtual convention, uh, Mrs. Obama, Michelle Obama uh, gave a speech and she got high marks. Everyone in the Met press loved it, but I couldn't help but notice there are a number of things in her speech that were simply false. Um, that were that, and that if if Donald Trump had said them, the press would have made a point before he even finished his speech of telling us each instance in which she had provided false information. And my assumption is she knows better, therefore that would make it a lie. But um, it's hard for me to imagine she's actually uninformed, but maybe so. Anyhow, bottom line is not a peep about any of that. It's okay. She can talk about um, President Trump locking up children in cages. But in fact, the pictures we were shown were t pictures taken when her husband was president, said cages were created and built when her husband was president, but not a word of that, you know? And I, I kind of scratched my head. Or even Mrs. Biden telling us what a uniter Joe Biden is. He's going to help us heal the country. and He's going to unite us. I'm like, okay, so the man who told a crowd of black voters that Mitt Romney was going to put you all back in chains, he's the uniter? That's the guy that's going to get us all back together again and heal and unite us. Or the guy that tells voters, on, on, again, black voters, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. I'm, you know, it's just like I, how do these people keep a straight face when they say these things? And how does the press not bother to point these things out? And, um, you know, I just – it's well, amazing. Well, the press, the press is part – I mean, I, I, I believe that there, there's, a, there's a real – question and the, the the question is how how do these so many people get such exaggerated and fantastic ideas of uh, of of what the what the president and the administration are really doing and the answer is because of the press because most people get their information about what's going on from uh, radio or television and uh, mm -hmm. and to some extent, the and social press. media now too. And social media, is, but social media, they're not the sources. They they pick up the sources, right, and right. Um, they they promulgate it. And and that that whole that whole phenomenon is just uh, it's really it's really insidious. It's 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 really evil. Mhm. Mm Agreed. Very frustrating to watch um, all of this because um, I used to actually think it kind of harsh when President Trump referred to the press as the enemy of the people, but I'm actually coming around to the point where I think he's right. And what I mean, I don't mean every single member, but to the extent there are people who work to misinform them, not just leave them uninformed, but affirmatively mislead them, and many of them do that, um, they're unhelpful because our founders believe that in order to have a safe um, responsible uh, democratic republic the, where the people were sovereign, they had to be informed and they entrusted that uh, function to the press and hence we have the first amendment with free speech and uh, the idea was in theory that they would um, you know be the sunlight that requires uh, there to be you know you hold politicians accountable. And the press has made it repeatedly clear they will if you want accountable government, you better vote for Republican because the press will not hold a Democrat accountable. They simply will not. They've made that clear through eight years of Barack Obama. 
that they they refuse to hold him accountable for the things that he did and said. But uh, but if you're a Republican, they'll hold you accountable for things your predecessor did and said. So if you well, want accountable also, government, you better vote for Republicans. They'll hold you accountable for things you didn't even do. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, and things they're making, your predecessor they're making, they're making yeah. things up. Right. So uh, we're uh, we're at a we're at a break time. This uh, we'll try again. This is the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And we are now not uh, apparently uh, uh, taking breaks tonight. So uh, we'll proceed with our conversation. Um, I guess I guess the other question though is just how successful are they going to be? It seems like um, there's just a whole major section of the or group in in in, in the uh, of the electorate that simply takes all take all of these these uh, this sort of fictional view of the Trump administration as as gospel and and those those people are going to vote against well they may or may not vote at all but if they do they're going to vote against Trump they don't even care i guess what uh what what Joseph Biden thinks uh you know being uh kind of uh isolated and very uh, low profile uh that and uh, now we're starting to see the uh, even the uh, regular, rather biased uh, polls are starting to close the gap between the two uh, the two candidates. But right. it's just it's just um, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, what, what what is your take on that? Well, my take on this is that um, right now most polls are just polls of Americans which is irrelevant because Americans don't actually decide to vote as a group. It's, it's, it's registered voters who show up to vote. In other words, it's likely voters. It's and what you'll see state, a trend is. It's also state-based. Right. It's, it's, yes, state. it's not national. You're exactly right. So once California goes over 50% for one candidate or the other, it doesn't matter because they don't get to carry those votes over and use them in Oklahoma or in Utah. But, uh, but the bottom line is what you really need is 50 uh, polls, but you also need to not just poll uh, a cross section of America. You need to poll a cross section of registered voters who are planning to vote in November. And if you'll notice, when that happens, the polls show a close election. In many cases, they actually show that Mr. Trump is leading uh, narrowly. Whereas if you just poll Americans at large, you get, um, you know, a a Mr. Biden lead. Now, I would argue this, too, though. There's a tremendous uh, disconnect in this because the press has invested so heavily in telling people that if you support Donald Trump, if you vote for the man, that you are bad, you are a racist, there's something malignant about your heart, that many people now uh, will not tell a stranger on the phone who they're voting for. They don't want the trouble. You know, just like, I'm not – so. It's, it's the reason why he was uh, slated to lose in 2016 and didn't. It's because 
Um, it's the same reason for Brexit. The argument, the leading argument in Great Britain against Brexit was you were a xenophobe, you were a bad person if you wanted, to, if you wanted Brexit. The good people wanted to stay in the EU. And so guess what? People stopped telling pollsters where they stood on the issue. And guess what? The polls were wrong. And guess what? Brexit won. Well, I, I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exit of, from the uh, European Union, yeah. Right, right. Well, but but I think that the uh, vitriol and the uh, the uh, accusations of uh, against uh, Trump personally and and also against his administration are much more uh, consistent and much more uh, really. Uh, I mean, if you listen to uh, if you listen to Nancy Pelosi, and and you would think that it's that actually that that the that the entire administration is insane. In fact, not only are they insane, but also the the Democrat the Republican Senate is uh, mm-hmm. is is, is there, it's just absolutely evil and and insane and and. Uh, and and fr- fr- frankly, uh, uh, they're uh, they're not uh, they're not intelligent. They're not uh, paying attention. They're they're corrupt. I mean, every every uh, fault and every uh, shortcoming you could think of is uh, being attributed to them by her, and every day, right. and uh, and yet you know her her group. If you if you if you want to start talking factually, uh, you could you could. What's coming out more and more is that the Obama administration uh, may have been the perhaps the most corrupt uh, uh, presidency since uh, certainly since uh, the 1920s and 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 maybe ever because of the. Right. Uh, Weaponization of the uh, IRS, the uh, intelligence community, the foreign policy community, uh, and, and then of course, the, ultimately, they tried to uh, they tried to uh, get rid of a duly elected president with uh, right. with false information and false uh, and and yet there's so many people believe in all this stuff. It's it's really it's really amazing. Yeah, it is very interesting. I mean, I can very quickly figure out which of my friends is well informed, and which of them aren't particularly well informed, by asking them a few simple questions. And um, you know, it's very funny when you you know, example was one I uh, you know, you can ask me, weren't you upset when, uh, you know, when. Uh, Donald Trump uh, threatened to, you know, throw people, uh, black people, back in chains. They'll go, oh yeah, that was that did make me angry. It's like uh, actually that was he didn't threaten to. He said someone else was going to, but he wanted them to feel threatened. And as you know, so the and then then of course they're not angry anymore. They were angry when they thought it was said by by Donald Trump. And as soon as they find out it was actually Biden, he said that they're no longer angry. It's oh, well, it was probably just a misstatement. You know, he probably didn't mean it that way. It's like okay, I you know, I, one I know you're misinformed. And two, I know you're not intellectually honest because you bared your fangs when you thought someone else said it. When you thought Biden said it, you were like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. 
And, uh, and there's a lot of that going on. And that's not good for our country for us to be that um, disconnected from fact and that disconnected from reason. And disconnected from history. Yep. I mean, there's just, they're just no, there seems to be no uh, interest in uh, becoming uh, educated about the true history of the United States. It's just, uh, it, 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 and then, you know, for example, another another example is this this absolute conviction of, of uh, many honest people that uh, Trump is a racist, and I, I the the, um, the the evidence for that is just in, in my understanding just doesn't exist. In fact. He's been very. Um, he has a whole history of, of being hiring all kinds of people, uh, being very uh, colorblind, uh, very uh, uh, progressive as far as uh, women uh, uh, executives and so on. Um, and then, of course, in in, in trying to uh, raise the standard of living for all of the people in the in the country, including all of the, uh, the uh, most of the economic advantages of the uh, tax cut that he's accused of doing, uh, trying to uh, pad the uh, the profits of the uh, the very rich, in fact, were felt by the lowest uh, uh, employment groups in 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 the, in the country, and and. Uh, yep. And most of that was uh, were people of color uh, and and poor whites, and 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 rural rural uh, farmers and so on. Uh, it, right. it it just it, it's um, and and then of course the the evidence that they try to uh, put forth uh, mostly is just made up. It, you know they they say he's been trying to kill people. Uh, that uh, he, he doesn't want um, people of other races to come in in, in the immigration. Well, the immigration problem is nothing to do with racism. It has to do with economics and and uh, and civil uh, civil society. Um, right. And, and well, that is funny that people through the whole sequence of those. She's behind one. What was that? I said one of the things interesting about the complaint about building a wall, like the, the argument is the, the wall is racist. And the answer is no, the wall is not racist at all. Um, a wall keeps people out, and, and then you have doors in the wall that let people in, but you make sure that they're coming in for this. It's like my house. you know. I let people in my house. I don't care who you are as long as I know you're there for a good reason. Um, but if I think you're there for a wrong reason, yeah, you can stay on the outside but not inside. And um, you know, so if you're coming to harm my family – Come to rob my family, you're not welcome. And that's the purpose of a wall, is to distinguish between the good guys and the bad guys. Because everybody who says they don't want a wall built lives within walls. And they have locks on their doors. And in many cases, they have alarms on their doors and windows. And yet they tell you walls don't work. Well, I thought one of the really uh, blatant uh, inconsistencies was the fact that uh, Michelle Obama was complaining about all of the uh, abuses of the uh, poor people and 
and uh, all of the problems of uh, uh, the uh, of the country, and she was doing it sitting in a forty million dollar estate, <laughs> and uh, probably uh, with the Secret Service uh, uh, security uh, surrounding her family, and I mean. You know, she doesn't have to worry about civil unrest or people uh, burning her uh, store or, uh, right. uh, you know, taking down statues in in, in her uh, neighborhood. It's uh, and 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 you look at you look at uh, you know several of these people are really quite rich. Uh, are uh, are. Our, our chief socialist, uh, Bernie Sanders, is what four or five uh, houses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and he got he got rich while serving um, in Congress. Yeah, he's been he's been in public service all his life. Yeah, and he didn't he, he didn't he, he, he didn't and, enter and, it with money. He got it afterwards, which is kind of interesting. And same way with Biden. You know, he's yep. he all he's all his. Uh, Wealth has been earned after he after he was in public service, and mm-hmm. so you know this this is, and yet people don't they don't seem to they don't seem to know that or talk, think about it. Um, it's 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 boy I talk about a, a convoluted situation. It's very odd. Well, what's the answer? I mean, how 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 does uh, obviously, the president's trying to break through with his uh, campaign of, uh, you know, when he had those rallies, that that was a big, a big plus in his favor because it, it was hard to, even even the uh, major networks couldn't ignore it entirely, and and a lot right. of people, a lot of people uh, obviously knew about it and, and went to it and all those rallies. And now he can't do that, but at least he's trying to uh, uh, make appearances at various places in the, in the uh, in the troubled states or the what do they call them the uh, uh, battleground state, states battleground states yeah. yeah but is that the answer? Um, <clears throat> well, I certainly think that um, you know that's one of his strengths. Um, I think he enjoys the crowd. The crowd enjoys him. Um, but I think he also has something he didn't have when he ran last time, and that is a track record. If you recall, last time it was easy for Hillary to tell everyone, oh, my goodness, the stock market will crash if this man is elected. Yeah. We'll be thrust into World War III if this man is elected. We were told all these things. And, of course, now we have three and you know, we'll have almost four years of evidence that none of that's true. The stock market hit new highs. It recently has rebounded to recover virtually all the losses that we saw as a result of COVID. Um, employment um, up until COVID was at record levels. Unemployment, of course, at record low levels. Um, you know, wage growth, the, stag- the stagnation we'd seen in wages had changed, all of this. So I think there's a lot of things in his portfolio now that he has that he can run on that before – he really couldn't because he was a newcomer to politics and he had to kind of, you know, fight through some of those allegations. But now he can kind of say, uh, hey, you know, I not only didn't get us in war like they said I would, I actually got us 
out of many places where we've been in quagmires. And I'm, you know, you know what I mean? So I, did, I think there's a lot to run on, and I think that uh, uh, I'm actually expecting him to win um, because, well, when I watch Joe Biden and I'm being told the main reason I should vote for him is he, he's a racial healer, I kind of just, I giggle inside. That's so stupid. It's silly. It's insulting. If, if I were a Democrat and they said that to me, I would be insulted and I would leave. So either they're not very bright or they don't insult normally because that's just absurd. You know, Mr. I'm going to put it, you're going to, they're going to put you all in chains is over the top race baiting. So the race baiter in chief, it turns out is now going to become the healer in chief, not buying it. Well, uh, I'm not so sure of the outcome, but I certainly uh, am very concerned about the uh, the possibility of of having the Democrats take over the entire federal government because mm-hmm. it seems to me with the with the uh, socialist uh, tendencies that they now have that uh, that puts us on the road to dictatorship and. Uh, the uh, George Orwell's 1984 might actually uh, be closer than we think. Fair point. So, um, bad. go ahead. I said that would be very bad news. Yeah. So, uh, George, what have you, uh, what have you been working on lately? Have you got any, uh, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, do you have any special projects that you're uh, looking to promote? Well, um, you know, I'm, always working on things. Uh, some of them are as kind of one of them, for example, is the, this whole question of a new contract that the DOD or the Pentagon was trying to let on moving uh, services for the military. And, uh, you know, you, you want to hear horror stories, talk to somebody in the military about their last move. <laughs> and, um, you know, they government did kind of what government too sadly too often does is they, you know, went with um, a non-low bid uh, provider who, on the face of it, isn't likely to be able to uh, improve things or do things better. And those that look like they could, so it's that you know, sometimes it's something that, if you will, granular. Other times it's more you know, broad stroke, talking about the importance of uh, you know, missile defense and what we need to do for the next phase of that, so that we're always one step ahead of our enemies. Um, but um, you know, right now I'm concerned about uh, socialism. We're seeing it, you know, being proposed as the answer to all our problems. And it's actually going to be the source of all of our problems, not the answer. So it's a lot of what I'm working on right now is just ways to maintain a system of freedom and opportunity and not a system where the government's in charge of every detail of our lives, running our businesses, running our families, et cetera. Well, I, I, and, and, and I, I think that uh, the, the deep state actually still exists and that the bureaucracy in, in uh, the federal government particularly is uh, still very resistant to the revolution that uh, Trump represents and is actually implementing. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the whole idea, for example, of... Uh, uh, reducing uh, regulations on uh, various uh, uh, national parks and, and uh, 
the uh, the approval of various uh, uh, projects like uh, like the pipelines and and frankly I think that the, you know that's still that's still there and it's going to take a change in the culture which which I don't know how they're going to really affect that but um, it seems to me that that's something that really needs to be uh, be undertaken so. We're uh, now at the uh, at the end of our our time. I want to thank uh, George uh, Landreth for being uh, uh, our guest again, and uh, and this uh, my, unfortunately my uh, my website is still not up, so uh, we're uh, we're at the point where we have to uh, rely on uh, other other means, particularly the. Uh, uh, Podcasts for the Dr. Larry Show, which is at uh, at uh, one one a uh, at uh, I think it's three a.m. and and eleven a.m. Uh, Eastern Time every day at uh, uh, at the batch the Bachelor News dot airline airtime dot pro p r o so, Dr. Larry Fidoa saying good night and God bless America. <laughs>